should we consider an automated external defibrillator at home for our high-risk patients? You are listening to Reach MD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I am Dr. Matt Sorrentino, your host, and with me today is Dr. Gust Barty. Dr. Barty is the president of the Seattle Institute for Cardiac Research in Seattle, Washington. Dr. Barty has been one of the lead investigators of the HAT trial, the trial called Home Automated External Defibrillator Trial, which was recently published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Gus, welcome to our program. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Sudden cardiac arrest remains a common problem in our cardiac patients. What is the prevalence of this condition right now in the United States? Well, estimates of the exact numbers have always been hard to come by, and they've been estimated to be as high as 500,000 Americans every year, uh, occurring approximately once in each 1,000 population. Those numbers are probably too high. The number may be more realistically one-third to one-half of that, but that is still a very high number, even on the the more conservative end of the scale. 166,000 is probably the lowest number estimated, and that's quite a large population of patients every year dying of SCD or SCA if they survive sudden cardiac arrest, SCD, sudden cardiac death. So I would assume, though, that most of these patients unfortunately fit into the death category and and do not survive this. Yes, I think uh, it's very reasonable to assume that the death rate's going to be north of 95%. Most people throw out a number of 5% survival, but in fact, even that's hard to justify, short of a very few extraordinary examples of resuscitation. It's probably um, closer to the very, very low single digit. Now, where do most of these events tend to occur? Are they occurring at home, in the workplace, out in the community, in hospitals? In the standard literature and the history of where cardiac arrest occurs, it's been presumed to be in the home, but the results of the home AED trial, automatic external defibrillator trial, have shed new light on this, and so it's much less likely to occur in the home than it used to be thought. In fact, uh, 80% of SCA victims were presumed to occur in the home, but I think with our changing society and the increased mobility of retirees, it's actually occurring outside of the home, probably equally to that in the home. It still is a large number in the home. Uh, if you could assume 50 to 60% in the home, that's still large, but it's less than what it was perceived to be prior to the results of this study. Now, I would expect to have a successful outcome. We would need to have this event occur where there's somebody that can help the patient. Is there any data on how many of these sudden events are witnessed or how many of them are found after the fact? Let's back up a little bit, Matt, and talk about what is sudden cardiac death. In order to address your question, I think we have to understand what the problem is in the first place. I think um, most people really do not have a grasp of of the extent of and the depth of meaning of sudden cardiac death. Many physicians equate, uh, like almost all the lay population, equate sudden cardiac death with a heart attack. And I think a better way of thinking about this is that a heart attack is a coronary occlusion, a myocardial infarction, which could lead to sudden death. And sudden death is uh, better described as a instantaneous 
collapse or loss of consciousness without antecedent symptoms. A witnessed cardiac arrest would be where the collapse is actually seen or the person at most, at most, the person is last seen or heard from within five minutes. So sudden is truly sudden. Cardiac arrest in the hospital probably doesn't fit that category unless they happen to be in the orthopedic wing or the psychiatric wing. But if someone has ventricular fibrillation, for example, the dominant cause of cardiac arrest, if they have that following cardiac surgery, that's really not a sudden death. So sudden death tends to fall into the category of things that occur out of hospital and occur abruptly with um, a surprise. And that doesn't mean that it can't occur in people with heart disease. It just means that it's not preceded over a long period of time by a spiraling course of progressive symptoms of uh, heart failure or angina. So because it is such a sudden event, we obviously want to have preventive therapies, and that's why the use of defibrillators has been uh, studied so much recently. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the automated external defibrillators and the idea of using this in the home. Can you tell us a little bit about how the study, the HAT study, came to be and how it was designed and what the thought behind having these devices at home was? Well, uh, an automatic or automated external defibrillator was originally called automatic. Um, That really is a term that should be reserved for fully automatic. That is, they work on their own. An automated external defibrillator is one that does require a second person to use it. The more proper term is automated external defibrillator. They were designed to allow lay users or non-physician users to resuscitate patients from ventricular fibrillation cardiac arrest, which is usually the cause of cardiac arrest. There, of course, all sorts of causes ranging from ventricular rupture to pulseless electrical activity to pulmonary embolus to tamponade. Certainly those kind of things can lead to a cardiac arrest, but they tend to be on the low end of the scale, the minor number of events. The vast majority of cardiac arrests are caused by ventricular fibrillation, usually in the setting of someone who has had some sort of myocardial disease. They may have had a myocardial infarction and survived that and, in fact, are doing quite well. Uh, Or they may have heart failure that's being treated and that they're stable and and functioning well with their heart failure. Uh, Ventricular fibrillation you can think of as an electrical quirk, a disturbance that is more statistical, often almost impossible to find an antecedent event that triggers ventricular fibrillation very frequently. It's just out of the blue. And so um, because ventricular fibrillation is almost always persistent and therefore lethal without a cardioversion or defibrillation shock, and because it often occurs out of hospital, trying to get to those people quickly in order to stop the ventricular fibrillation is a challenge, certainly a challenge for physicians, and it's quite a challenge for medic systems. So the development of AEDs was primarily directed towards uh, having a quick, efficient, low-cost, easy-to-use 
electrical source disseminated throughout the community to address the problem that occurs in the community and not in the hospital. If you're just joining us, uh, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Matt Sorrentino, and I'm talking with Dr. Gus Bardi, and we're discussing AEDs, automated external defibrillators, in the home. So I think you pointed out that we need something there for these sudden cardiac uh, patients. And so let's talk about the study. You had these automated external defibrillators in the home, and you taught some of the family members how to use them. Um, What type of patients were studied, and what results did you find? We enrolled 7,000 patients, and we did so in eight countries, U.S., Canada, New Zealand, Australia, United Kingdom, Ireland, Holland, and Germany. And these patients were patients who had had an anterior myocardial infarction. They had survived, been discharged, were stable. Many of these patients had their infarct well over a year prior to being enrolled in the trial. And what we did was randomize patients to CPR training versus AED plus CPR training. We provided an AED for them in the home, did video training on how to use the AED, and video training on how to do CPR. Wasn't hands-on training in the majority of people, and that was by design. Hands-on training is actually difficult and expensive and time-consuming, and our goal was to implement a strategy that, in fact, would represent a practical approach for physicians to use in their offices, and that is if we proved successful in demonstrating improved survival with an AED, then they would simply write a prescription, hand them a video, or go to the local hardware store or pharmacy and get an AED with the video instructions. So the goal was to implement a simple, broad-scale strategy to improve the public health, and that means uh, low-cost, technically simple approaches. So our goal was to take post-MI, post-anterior MI patients, and we, we chose that population specifically because their risk rate was estimated to be 4% per year. Uh, it's been demonstrated in other studies that if your risk rate with heart disease is 5 to 10%, you're probably better off with an implantable defibrillator. So we didn't want to take the high-risk group, and we needed a a certain degree of risk in order to test our hypothesis with a limited number of people. So we wanted to assess this in a group of patients at sufficient risk but not too high of a risk, and survivors of an anterior myocardial infarction who are stable without low ejection fractions fit that bill. So that's our group. So with the population that you chose, how did the... AEDs work in the home? What type of results did you get? So what we found in the home AED trial was that patients were living a lot longer than we thought and a lot better, uh, presuming they were on beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, aspirin, and statins. Our death rate in, in the home AED trial was only 2%. So we could not demonstrate an improved survival on all-cause mortality and using uh, this population of patients because they were, in fact, too healthy. However, when they did have a cardiac arrest in the home and they did use an AED, they did very, very well. In fact, uh, one out of three ventricular fibrillation victims survived long-term. That is actually an enormous survival rate 
for ventricular fibrillation. Even the very, very best medic systems in the country have trouble reaching that level. So that's a very good result. And, and we had an unusual outcome in the study, and that is neighbors and visitors and relatives were sometimes successfully defibrillated by the person for whom uh, the AED was prescribed. So there, there was a positive aspect of having an AED in the home. Well, I want to thank Dr. Gaspardi, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing the use of automated external defibrillators in the home to try to prevent sudden cardiac death or treat sudden cardiac death in our patients post-myocardial infarction. I am Dr. Matt Sorrentino, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts, or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening.